Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to The Art of Paying Attention. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, and I am so glad that you are with me today. And today I have a special episode for you. Uh, It's going to be just me. Hopefully that's okay. And I wanted to take some time to riff a little bit on an essay that I wrote recently. And it had a fancy title, Particulars, Universals, and the Pursuit of Wonder. Particulars, Universals, and the Pursuit of Wonder for emphasis. And it's really a a conversation. It's an idea. It's a thought. It's a reflection. It's a meditation of really what this podcast is about, what this blog slash substack slash newsletter slash community is really all about and what I'm trying to do with some of my my work. And one of the questions I get is there's a often a underlying spiritual theme that runs through things, faith themes, uh, themes from the Christian story or the Jesus story. Uh, but then there's also references to pop culture and people that maybe aren't rooted in necessarily the Christian story or the Jesus story and creativity and art and faith and all these kinds of things. And I kind of draw from different things. And there's a particular reason why I do that. And there's a particular reason why I think it's important. And you get it a little bit from my title, Particulars, Universals, and the Pursuit of Wonder, is that as we look at different things in the world, cultural artifacts in the world, the particular things, so it could be somebody's story, somebody's experience, there's a universal principle, there's a universal truth that seems to resonate with all of us, regardless of your faith background, regardless of where you come from, your experiences, the color of your skin, where you're from, if you have a lot of money or no money, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. There's these particular experiences, stories that speak to the universal reality of what it means to be human. And part of that and you don't have to agree with me on this point, but part of that is because we're all made in the image of God, and I believe that all truth is God's truth. And so we find truth in all these very uh, unexpected places. Let me give you an example of this. Just recently, the DeMar Hamlin story, the Buffalo Bills safety on Monday Night Football, plays for the Buffalo Bills. He is hit during the game, has cardiac arrest, is literally dead on the field for 15 minutes, and they have to resuscitate him. And uh, by the grace of God, he is doing okay, and he's recovering well. It's a long road for him. But there was something that happened when, even if you're not a football fan, even if you could give a rip about the Buffalo Bills or football or sports, there was this coming together for at least a moment where it seemed like humanity was rooting for DeMar Hamlin to recover, right? There's this feeling of that could have been my son. That could have been my brother, right? Uh, That could have been my friend, my loved one. Uh, There's this thing that we feel we grab our loved ones tight and say, wow, I really love you. And I'm so glad you're here, right? Because life is precious and life is a gift and life can go away really fast. And so there's this particular story about DeMar Hamlin, but there's this universal truth that surrounds it saying, hey, aren't we all called to love and care for our fellow humans, our fellow neighbors, even if we disagree, even if we have different faith backgrounds, all those kinds of things. We know there's just something brewing in us, in our souls deep within that goes, yeah, that that's good and right. It's why there's particular novels and particular films and human stories that really resonate with us. 
that connect us in some deep, profound, mysterious way. And that's why I draw on a lot of different quotes and faith backgrounds and pop culture and and all these kinds of things, because I think they all can kind of speak to one another and often in very profound ways, even if they disagree, even if they're not in the same tribe or the same community, or there's truth that's everywhere that we can draw from in our life and in our art and for our souls and for our families and for our communities. And so I wrote this little piece and I was talking about Abraham Joshua Heschel, who's a Jewish thinker, writer, activist, uh, from the 50s and 60s and 70s. Uh, he's been long gone, but I've really appreciated his writing, the way he thinks about faith, the way he thinks about humanity, a life lo- well lived, with the way he thinks about art. Uh, but I also love the way he thinks about wonder because he really believed to have a deep life and to create good art and to live a life that is worth living. Wonder has to be at the center of that. And so there was this experience that happened to Abraham Joshua Heschel where he was dying. Uh, he had a massive heart attack. They didn't think he was going to live. And I actually think part of the story is I, I, I probably should check my sources, but I remember reading the story a while back, so I apologize. But uh, I think he recovered for a while, and then I think he ended up passing away. But uh, but he was on his deathbed, and there's a friend there who documented this. And this is what he said from his deathbed. Never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame. I asked for wonder, and he gave it to me. I asked for wonder and he gave it to me. And and Heschel believed that this thing, this experience of humanity that we're having, that we're all having is a gift of grace, that life is grace. Everything we have is grace, that the spiritual life begins with grace. It begins with, we don't bring anything to the table. We simply receive what is already there, what is already ours. And he believed that life lived well had to have this rumbling under the surface of wonder of being stunned and awed of what is going on around us, what we get to be part of. Because I think what happens is that when we forget that this experience is an amazing, beautiful experience with all its pain and all its struggle and all its ugliness, we're still here. We're still alive. It's still a gift. It's still a a precious gift to be alive. Just like the Damar Hamlin story that, that life is a gift and it can go away real fast, but without wonder, We're going to pursue other things that just don't seem to give us what we desire. Things like success and wisdom, or excuse me, success and power and fame. All these external things, all these things that we think are going to give us that joy that we all long for. So even in our art, even in our creativity, we're writing a book, we're making a painting, we're starting a business, we're starting a nonprofit, we're leading something, we're leading a family. The art that we bring into the world, if if it becomes just about the externals and about the results and the results and money and power and fame and what we get from, we're going to miss out on the wonder of just being part of this thing, whatever this thing is, the making of this thing, the wonder of this thing, the fact that we'd even have the gifts and the abilities and talents to even make this thing, do this thing, live this, this life. And so... Part of the art of paying attention is to find these particular stories and how they speak to these universal truths. Because I think as we keep our eyes open and as we learn to keep our eyes open, we'll begin to see these strange, odd connections, but how this truth is often speaking to us in very unique ways. I remember recently I was reading, uh, and I'll mention it again, but The Creative Act, A Way of Being. It's Rick Rubin's new book. I highly recommend it. I'll put it in the show notes. 
it's about the the art of making and and creating anything. And he says the creative act really is anything. It's building a business, building a life, making music, making films, writing books, writing essays, blogging, whatever. Whatever we're bringing to the earth is our creative act. It's but he but he really believes it's a way of being in the world. It's a way of connecting our creativity, but our lives and our soul. And he he talks a lot about how do we find these connections? What do we pay attention to? And one of the things he says in the book is the ways to pay attention is if you hear someone say, hey, you need to see this movie. And it's like the third person. And these people don't know each other. And they keep telling you, hey, you need to see this movie. Maybe you should see this movie, right? Is something speaking to you in that, right? Hey, you need to read this book. Have you read this book? Like, and you hear one, two, three, four, five, ten people go, you know what? You really need to read this book. Or you need to listen to this podcast. Or you need to talk to this person. And you keep hearing it over and over again, right? That's a way of a particular speaking to a universal thing. And, and how often that's happened in my life is I pick up this thing that I somehow needed or I pick up a, a book off my shelf or I have a conversation with someone and I realize that's the exact conversation that I needed to have. That was the piece of art that I needed to encounter for some reason. Maybe I'm going through a tough time, a difficult time, and I just it was just staring at the Rembrandt painting of the prodigal son which is one of my favorites. And the way it just touches me and just reminds me about grace. It reminds me that the whole thing's grace and we're going to be okay, right? Like it comes along in your life at a particular time and we realize that, that these things are happening all the time. We don't know why it's there. Sometimes it's strange. Sometimes it's very on the nose. It's actual opening up the Bible or some sacred text and reading the scriptures and hearing these words of encouragement and going, that's for me today. Or it can be, I'm watching this film and I'm in tears because I feel like God is speaking even through that saying, everything's going to be okay. You just never know where it's going to be found. So in this, these particulars, we find these universal truths and all of these things are working together to create awe and wonder in us that nothing is random. Nothing is accident, that there's so much more going on in our lives and in the world and in the universe. And that's an important piece to remember is that there's all these connections and the ways in which we learn how to pay attention is looking into all these different places where truth is often hidden and, and it's hard to see. But but noticing the connections, I think some of my favorite writers and some of my favorite people that reflect on culture are able to take these kind of deep, obvious truths perhaps of sacred stories like the Christian story, the Jesus story, but also finding ways in which it interacts with film and interacts with art and books and music and people. Because what you realize is that in those things, God, if you want to use the God language, is at work in all those things. God is speaking in all of those things that his, if all truth is God's truth, it's, it's working in and through the most unlikely places. And so it's learning how to keep our eyes open, learning how to pay attention. That there is a master divine artist that's overseeing the whole thing and working through the all things. Nothing is wasted. And that's where the awe and the wonder begins to rise up in us. Because I mentioned in my essay, what happens is when you get about middle school, late high school, probably more high school, things get real serious, right? Maybe that was your experience in high school. It's we kind of lose that play and that curiosity and that wonder. Like when you're a young kid and I have young kids and I have older kids too. So I have kind of the gamut right now. Art and drawing and creativity and imagination is absolutely essential and encouraged 
and celebrated when they're young, right? And then you get into middle school, you get into high school, and then it gets serious. It's about math. It's about science. It's about getting a job. It's about figuring out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And so things like play and creativity and imagination are actually diminished. They're not celebrated anymore. That's a detriment. I don't know if that's the school system. I don't know if that's the way we parent it or it's the narratives in which we've been handed. But but somehow we begin to believe that play and curiosity and wonder and grace just aren't important. It's time to be serious. It's time to get a job. It's time to pay the bills. And those are all real things. Let's not diminish any of those things. But actually in our jobs and in our families and in our work and in our creativity is what we need most, what's the most important thing in our arsenal is a life of awe and wonder that the whole thing is gift. The whole thing is grace. Look what we get to be part of. And so along the way, we lose that, that even in paying bills, even in trying to get our work done, even in our marriages, even in our parenting, even in our relationship with neighbors and partners and friends, it becomes mundane. We lose sight of what a gift it is to have friends, what a gift it is to have a partner, what a gift it is to have kids, what a gift it is to have a job, what a gift it is to be alive and to wake up and look out the window. This morning, we woke up to snow here in the Midwest, just glistening off the trees. It was just a beautiful, beautiful morning. Snow, fresh snow on the ground. There's nothing like it. And then got a chance to go to my office and do some work and looking out the window, the sun comes out and it just lights up the snow. It's just this moment of everything's going to be okay. Like there's more going on than we, we realize that wonder is so essential to that. But, but even as young children, we start to lose some of that. And I think for the making the best art and living the best lives, a deep life is we have to recapture some of that wonder, some of that awe. Like Heschel said, I asked for wonder and he gave it to me that success and external rewards and material blessings is not going to give us the joy and the awe and the wonder that we need to sustain a deep life because at the end of our lives, none of those things are going to matter. And so when I was thinking about these things, and again, the particulars and the universals, a strange film came across my lap. And there's a, a podcast I love I love listening to called The Rewatchables. And uh, it's a, a podcast about films. And they, they take these older films and they talk about them and why they love them and why they're so rewatchable. And one of the great 80s iconic films, if you're a Tom Hanks fan, is Big. And if you haven't seen Big, you need to go see Big. Uh, and Big is really a, a meditation and a reflection on what happens when we lose awe and wonder. What happens when we become adults and things get serious? Things get become about money and wealth and power and getting ahead and serious things, right? And and Big's this story, and you probably know the story. Some of you know the story. If you don't know the story, it's a simple story, but it's a story about a very popular in the 80s. Tom Hanks uh, is a teenager. He plays this teenager. And then he wants to be adult, an adult, and he, he wishes that he could be an adult. And he goes to this carnival, and he's playing with this game, and he makes this wish that I wish I was a, an adult. And he becomes goes from a teenager to becomes an adult, which is essentially Tom Hanks. And he begins to interact with all these adults and have these relationships and gets this job in this toy company. And, and, and you realize Tom is still a teenager. He's still a kid. He still has that awe and wonder in him, that curiosity in him, that joy in him, that everything's about the moment. Everything's about right now. Everything is about joy and fun and play, right? The, the, the seriousness and the adulting of life has not kicked in yet. 
And yet he's, you can watch the people around them and it's, it just shows the dichotomy of how sad it is that these adults aren't any fun to be around. It's like our kids, our kids will tell us, you know, you guys are so old and, you know, don't know what's going on and, you know, irrelevant and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's, I think sometimes it's their way of saying like, you've kind of lost the awe and wonder, right? We're always stressed about bills and stressed about, you know, jobs and people and all these kinds of things. And those are real things. And we're not diminishing any of those things, but how do we walk with, with play and curiosity and awe and wonder? And I, and I think big in a, in a, strange way is a great meditation on what does happen when we become adults and we lose that joy. And what happens is Tom Hanks ends up showing particular this woman who he's, you know, dating, uh, which is a very strange part of the movie. And if you really think about it, it's kind of gross, but anyway, we won't get into that right now, but realizing she had lost the awe and the wonder that, that Tom was this guy who just lived for the moment and she really wanted to be like that. And I think we, as we get older, we all kind of get into that place. We, we kind of go back to, I, I, I've lost something and you begin to lose creativity. You begin to lose fun and play and, and being and living in the moment, being present to people, being present to God. And I think what's interesting about this too, is how often I encounter people, including myself, where as you get older, you begin to reclaim some of the joys you used to do. And one of those things for a lot of people is writing, writing poetry, writing stories, could be pottery, could be dancing, could be singing that you, you know, used to, we used to do that when we were kids and, you know, but then you grow up and you can't do that stuff. Right. So you get a job and then, and then you lose this love of just making music, making poetry, making art, being curious, building things, making things with your hands my father-in-law is get really getting into woodworking and, and it's like he kind of lost this love of doing this and he had done it a long time ago, but now he's reclaiming this, just making things with your hands, building something. It's how we reclaim the awe and the wonder of life because we've been handed these stories that just leave us wanting. They leave us cold. They leave us doing quote unquote, the responsible thing while losing out on the most important thing is wonder that even when we do the responsible thing, we can lose out because we need wonder for our spiritual life. We need wonder for being a good human and being a good father and mother and kid and neighbor. Wonder is everything. Going back to Rick Rubin and the creative act, a way of being his new book. He has this quote in this book, and, and this is what he kind of says. This is kind of what we're trying to get after how we're trying to get back to this, this wonder. And he says it this way. He says, as artists, we seek to restore our childlike perception, a more innocent state of wonder and appreciation, not tethered to utility or survival. And there's a lot of beautiful words here. Childlike perception, that innocence, right? That, that state of wonder, that state of, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're alive. I can't believe we get to do this. Like, that was so amazing, right? The state of joy and appreciation, but he says, not tethered to utility or survival. You see, art, and that could be anything. Your art can be, again, taking care of kids. Your art can be the business you run. It could be actual art, writing or painting or singing. What happens is it gets tethered to utility or survival. It's just something we do or something we have to do so that we can live and we can pay the bills. And that's not that that's always a bad thing. Yes, we need to pay the bills. I get it. But when it becomes only about those things, utility or survival, and we lose our childlike perception, 
we'll never experience that wonder. And I think when we lose a lot of that wonder and it becomes just utility and survival, guess what? You're actually going to give up. You're going to stop making things. You're going to stop putting beautiful words out into the world. You're going to stop putting beautiful paintings out into the world, beautiful songs, beautiful poetry. You're going to stop putting a beautiful life out in the world because it just becomes about survival and utility. What do I get from this? How does it pay the bills? How much money am I going to make? Right? So we, we start doing things not out of a joy, not out of that childlike innocence that doesn't give a rip if we're getting paid or if anyone sees this. I, I My seven-year-old son is super creative and he's a great artist. And I just actually can't believe how talented he is. And I'm not just saying that because I'm his dad, but but he really is. He's a, he's a great artist and a great drawer and just constantly making art and making things. And I just see it. He just doesn't care. He doesn't care if anybody sees it. Obviously, he wants me to see it. And he loves giving gifts to our family and giving to others. But he just keeps doing it because he loves doing it. He loves coming up with ideas and coming up with new colors and new color schemes and new ways of making little guys and little scenes and, and just putting things together. It's just in him, right? It's that childlike perception, that innocence, that wonder, that appreciation. He's not looking for a paycheck, which I love. And that's a lot of what the gift is, these particulars and these universals, because in the particular, there's a story in the Jesus tradition where Jesus is cornered by his disciples and they say, who's the greatest in the kingdom? In other words, who are the best people in the kingdom? Like, what does that look like? Who, like, if you were to name among these 12 disciples, who's the best, who's the greatest? What is that based around? And Jesus gives them this picture. He says, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So he says, you want to know what true greatness is? You want to know what it means to truly be human and what greatness looks like? It looks like a child becoming like children, becoming humble like children, because children don't have anything to bring to the table. They don't have a resume. They don't have external success or wealth or power. They just simply come and they're present and they're alive and they're innocent and they live for the moment. And there's a posture of humility. He says, hey, greatest in the kingdom are those that know the whole thing is wonder. The whole thing is gift. The whole thing is grace. That's who the greatest are. I love this particular story from Matthew 18 from Jesus because I think it speaks to a universal truth as well. That when we lose the wonder, when we lose the awe, when we think we're more important than we really are or need to be, when we put too much pressure on our art and our creativity and think it's better or more precious than it needs to be, we lose that childlike perception, that childlike innocence, that humility, that awe, and that wonder. And so a lot of our job is to restore that childlike perception. If you want to live a deep life and you want to live as a good artist, which I think often intersect with each other, is we need to remember that life is a gift. Our art is a gift. What we're a part of this experience that we're having is a gift. And the truly great ones in the world, the truly great humans, if you want to be a great human, are those that are extremely desperately live in awe and wonder and curiosity because when you do that, you'll keep asking questions. You'll keep staying open, dare I say, what the Spirit is doing, whatever language you want to give it. 
we get we become open to other people when you when you're with someone and you're curious about them and genuinely interested in them you'll be the most interesting person in the world and that's not a tactic but if you are genuinely curious about another human being you will ask great questions you won't make it about yourself you'll be a great human and a great friend that people are so interesting i love people great stories great experiences right if you stay open to the art and the cultural artifacts around you and the poetry and the music and the people and the stories, if you stay open to those things and ask a lot of questions, those things, it's amazing the things that you will glean from them. When you begin to pay attention more, you, you'll, you'll feel yourself becoming more with that, experiencing that childlike perception. And I think the way in which we get it is we keep asking for it. I think it's what Heschel said. I, I think it begins with the with the posture of, of Abraham Joshua Heschel that you just have to ask. You just have to ask and you just have to seek it and move toward it. That's how we get it. Because I think our lives and our art are dependent on it. And I think it's essentially, extremely important for living a great life and making great art. So I hope you found this little ditty helpful. Uh, hopefully you can glean something from it. Something we'll talk about again. We'll, we'll get into more like how do we build out more awe and wonder in our lives. If we feel like we're losing that, is there things we can actually do, practices we can do? And we're going to talk more about that at some other point. So I'm really excited about the art of paying attention because I think it, it begins with wonder, begins with curiosity, begins with awe. That's how we live great lives. That's how we make great art. Go check out ryanjpelton.substack.com check out the newsletter check out some latest essays the podcast are up there i got some interviews coming out soon with some other folks that are making great things and going to talk about what they're paying attention to should be great looking forward to doing that with you and uh, thanks for coming along for the ride it's been great to kind of relaunch this podcast relaunch the site the art of paying attention and those that have subscribed and given me great feedback i really appreciate it thanks for following along and if you'd like to join the newsletter, it's really easy on the Art of Paying Attention uh, Substack. Uh, super easy. RyanJPelton.substack.com. I'll be in the show notes. You can just click on it and uh, be part of the community. And, uh, and we also have this really cool conversation chat feature. If you get the Substack app, because um, all the podcasts, all the essays, all the stuff will be in there, is we can actually interact with each other. And you can ask questions and we can talk about things. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Try to make the internet great again. So... Uh, I don't know if it was ever great, but uh, we'll make it human again and beautiful again. So uh, thanks for stopping by. And I just have one more thing to say before I go. Go make some great art with your life. And I'll talk to you real, real soon.